Hello, ladies and gentlemen. San Diego Comic-Con just took place this week, and I was there. And also, welcome to the Wrestling Court. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, including that, um, airlines, and dark side of the ring. So how are you doing today, Rob? Oh, I'm good. How you been uh, these last few weeks? You Wait, survived? Did something happen to you? Oh, the heat is just, you know, the heat's unbearable. And uh, it's terrible, because I know this is like first world problems, but like... Uh, I in the morning would get driven to work with my coworkers because it's like you know easier. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he's on vacation, so it's like oh god, but you're not used to like having to get up early and deal with the trains in the morning. It's like it's like war. <laughs> you're like oh this sucks, but uh, it's been okay. I had a uh, work's been very difficult, but uh, we have I had to fire somebody and we had a bunch of crap that happened, and so it's been busy. So. Looking at the news from San Diego has been kind of cool, kind of like alleviate some of the BS of work. So I'm excited. I saw what you did. I saw uh, pictures from the panel you and everything you're going to be talking about. And I thought yeah, it was yeah. really cool. So I'm glad you had a, so I'm glad you had better time than I did. So. <laughs> you had a fire. So was it someone I know? I'm not too sure. He's one of my tenant porters. And uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say his name, but who cares? I'm not going to say his name, but like he's been there with that tenant for seven years and the last couple of years he's been like getting way too comfortable like thinking he's on see here's the thing i say about like my regular job we're union workers right but like we have building staff and then you have tenant staff and how that works is that the tenants will hire a worker directly to work for them when you work right. for the building we overall take care of the whole building so we're everywhere but when the tenant wants workers, they'll hire directly from our company and say they'll be our people. So they think they're untouchable because since they work for the tenant and can't really be messed with, they think they're special, which is fine. I get it. Um, but he started messing up. He was you know, not drinking on the job, but he wasn't coming to work in the best condition. Um, he also had like side jobs and then like, um, let's just say stuff was missing from the tenant's uh facilities area and they didn't know who was doing it so they were trying to cast blame on certain people not realizing the person that worked for them was doing it until uh, a couple weeks ago uh beer was missing now reason why you would have beer is that beer host... was missing holy shit when, when when uh when a tenant wants to host an after party they'll have like cases of beer not like a bar but they'll buy a couple cases they'll keep them in stock in a room and they have that room locked and card keyed so you have to use a card key plus a key to open it and when you use a card key it registers who went into the room so they notice yeah, like it reminds me when i used to work at google so you know yeah. uh as what happened was they were noticing beer was missing someone complained uh one of the uh, kitchen people complained hey yo this beer missing so they started blaming somebody guys like yo there's a camera and card key access look it up it's not me and they went and they looked it up and they looked in the camera <laughs> Sure enough, this guy was seen on camera, used his car key and his key to open the door and coming out with a couple of bottles every day. Every now, mind day you, home. now, mind you, like, you know, this isn't a bar that's fully stocked. This is only they only have a couple of cases when they have event. Then they order just a couple of cases. You know, they don't buy abundance of beer. And sure enough. They finally investigated. And so he was taking two or three bottles every day. So imagine getting fired for stealing a couple like maybe six seven dollars worth of beer every day how many was now, that what, case? i don't know it doesn't matter right it really doesn't matter 
<laughs> he's taking two. Or three I mean, it doesn't. Ma- I know it doesn't matter, but if it's a large case and you're taking two or three a day, that kind of adds up. It adds up, but remember, um, exactly. I, but the problem is at the end of the day is like at the he. The union can protect you a lot, but when there's three ways you can get fired from a union job. One is uh, theft, obviously. Two is a fight, a physical fight. You know, if two people get into a fist fight, both workers get fired. There's no, we're not taking sides. It doesn't matter. If, uh, you know, unless it's like self defense, but if these two guys are fighting and they're arguing with each other, you know, if it's like if you don't throw a punch back and you're getting assaulted, that's that's assault. You know, but if two guys are fighting, they both get fired. Uh, and the third way is like if you accost somebody sexually, you know, those are the three ways you can get fired. And so he did one of the ways to get fired instantly. <clears throat> and so he, so on the Friday when my boss called me, my boss like, yeah, I need you to do this because normally I'm not supposed to do it. That's not my job. I'm a foreman, not a supervisor. I'm a union worker. I'm not supposed to fire somebody. But my boss is like, look, the owner of our cleaning company wants this dude out. Can you, at the end of the day, collect this stuff, tell him he's fired, tell security to put him on the no-fly zone, which means he can't come into the building, and send him down to see me on Monday. My boss is like, I'm not even, because my boss on Fridays isn't in the office. So he's like, I'm not there. He don't live in New York, so he couldn't come. So I would come, but I can't do it. So I'm like, whatever. And I love the best part is oh, that. Oh, shit. They gave you Jim Ross's job, man. <laughs> basically. And so like at 1 o'clock, he sees me. And like I know already, but I can't say nothing. I have to wait to the end of the day. Um, And he's like, hey, is there any overtime this weekend? And I have them not on the overtime list for a reason because uh, they've also been harassing me uh, to get overtime. But like, since they're not building porters, they're not entitled to our overtime. They get their own overtime. But I used to take care of them. But then they got like greedy, and he would ask me for every every weekend. I'm like, I can't give you this weekend. Then he would complain to my supervisor, "Oh, they're giving this guy overtime and this guy, and I'm not getting any." And it was a big thing, so I had to get the union involved. Like, you cannot have our overtime. This is just the rules. So he says to me, hey, boss, any overtime? And I, I said, not for you, there ain't. And we laughed and walked away. And I, in the back of my head, it was kind of a double-edged sword because I knew I have to fire him. Oh, but he just, thought I was bust, he was just always busting his chops. So at the end of the day, I, I had brought him to my office. I had another guy with me because just in case, if I'm alone with him, he could say, oh, Rob said this thing to me and this. He was very mean to me. And then Needed I can get in trouble. Needed a witness. Guys, if you have a job, always have a witness. Even if you have yeah, to don't barge it. into lockers beating people up. <laughs> you gotta really be smart. So I had a second yeah. there. And I and, and I had to close the door because I didn't want I may want to make it private. I don't want to have the people who are coming at nighttime hearing me firing this guy. And he acted like, you know, if I said to you, you have if you're not guilty of anything and you've done nothing wrong, and I said to you that this is happening, you would be a little angry. You would go, What the hell happened? Rob, tell me. You know, he wouldn't have necessarily like yell at me. But at the same time, you would be upset. He stood there like he rehearsed it going, I don't know what I could have done. I don't know. I swear I don't know. In that monotone voice, like it was rehearsed. He, I think I said, hey, do you know why? Because no one has told me. I am only here to what I have to do, but I don't know. I don't know. I really can't tell you what I could have done. And I'm sitting there going, he doesn't know what he's done. He's done so much. He doesn't know why. What got him in trouble? Because he was when you're that guilty, you don't want to incriminate yourself by saying, "Well, well, if I did this, you know, whatever." But he must have done so much shit. Because I know supposedly there's rumors that he stole all the tools from the supply rooms. He stole other stuff. He, he he was really messed up. 
So like he honestly probably did not know either because he's done so much. When you're that guilty, what which one are you get in court for? So that was that. <laughs> that was on the Friday. And now they took one of my guys to took to take that job. And the guy didn't want it. He doesn't have to take the job. He's a union worker. But my boss said, could you do me the favor, please? They like you, blah, blah, blah. And he took it. And we're like, dude, if you didn't want it, you could say no. Oh, but they, they made me feel so – I'm like, you're are you not a grown man? Like, Are you not an adult? Like, how are you so wimpy that you can't say no? Oh, but they, they put me in a corner. I'm like, no one put you in a corner. You have a union work. You have a permanent spot. Now you got to work for that tenant who cameras everybody, who checks on everybody, who harasses their workers. Like, And you want to go, you chose to go work for them over us. And he's like, oh, but I still want overtime. I said, no, just like the other guys, you're a tenant porter now. You do not get my overtime. You're out. And he's, now he's upset because like, oh, but no one told me. And I'm like, oh my God, can you be an adult? Wait, did you have like, show him the camera? Oh no, that the other guy. No, I don't show. I don't even have the footage. They when he went down to the office, they explained, and he was terminated. So I don't. I never saw the footage. Not my place. Okay. But the guy who's replacing him was one of my guys. Uh, he said he didn't want it, but he took it. Like the, my boss goes, "Oh, have him come see me. I want to talk to him." I'm like, "Oh, you know that this guy's scared of you. He'll say yes to the position." Because the guy said no to me. I don't want it. But this is the type of dude that works for me that you have to hold his hand. Like, he wants you to go tell him you don't want the job. You know, like, no, you're a grown man. You're going to be 50 years old. You're an adult. You could say no. If you don't want to work for a tenant because you're going to lose overtime, you know, you're going to be separate from us. Now you're not protected because if a tenant leaves, you're not protected. You know, remember when you're a building staff, yeah, you're, you're there. But if a tenant leaves, you go back to not, even though you have seniority in union, you don't get to bump people just because. You have to bump a junior member, and that could be at nighttime. So you don't want that. You shouldn't have said yes to the position. But you were so afraid of my boss that you said yes to him. It's like you wimp, grow a pair, and like you don't. You know, as a human being, you don't have to say yes. You can say, "No, I don't really want this position. I appreciate it, but I'm very comfortable where I am." He didn't say nothing. My boss saw for two seconds. He beckled, "I'll take the position." Where it's like you wimp. <laughs> You know, so now that I, guy's mad at me. <laughs> when I used to be their office manager of facilities at Google, a lot of times I did took shit there, like pens and papers and like office stuff. Because they used to tell me to order shit every single day because they have endless cash flow for some reason. And they but also it, have to have write-offs. So yes. It's all write-offs. So that too. It's one thing when you're taking that, which no one really gives a shit about, but it's another thing when you're taking alcohol where people actually buy. Well, it's especially since it's purchased in a limited quantity for an event. Yes. They're purchasing this for this event, and they got to make sure it's available for that event. And if it'd be different if you handled the event and they didn't need it anymore, because once you refrigerate, then you put it out, you know, it's beer. It's kind of not going to be good to resave. If you took those after the event was over, that'd be different. But the event didn't happen. It was never put out it was never accounted for i mean it was accounted for but it wasn't used yeah like that's like if someone ordered catering and you fucking go into the catering truck and eat the food before it goes out to the <laughs> you can't do that like if there's leftovers as a cleaner you know look cleaning companies we always get the leftovers this is how it works you know oh is we had we ordered 25 pizzas for this floor and they'll call us up hey 
we got a lot of pizza left over. Do you guys want it? That's different because it's perishable yeah. and we have to throw it away anyway. That's different. You're not taking it home and partying afterwards. You're just eating it you know, in the locker room on your lunch or whatever. That's cool. But that's because they offered it to you. No one offered this to him. You know, like, you know, every company people take stuff. It's, I mean, if you work at a job, you know, you'll, you'll be like, like you said, I need a couple extra pens. I got them at my job. Oh, you need a printing paper. Yeah, I have a job, you know. Yeah. But it's a whole different ballgame when it's liquor or maybe endless amount well, of checks. Well, that's another problem. Like it, It's liquor. Like, granted, he didn't drink it on the job, but he stole it from the job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get to San Diego Comic Con because. <clears throat> This year, I felt like it was a bit weird because of the SAG after strike. But the journalists well, in my mind, I had to come up with a backup plan. Because... I'm gonna tell you something before you start. Yeah. It's so funny. I, you know what hasn't happened yet, right? Toy Fair. That's next. That's in February, though. No, 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 no. It never happened this past February. It's in October this year. No, they switched it back to February. No, it's it's the end of September, beginning of October. Of this really? year, hold on. Let me. Yeah, yeah. This, if you so. go go to the website, go to Toy Toy Fair International, and you'll see that it's uh, September thirtieth to October second, which oh, is so never. Yeah, you're, you're right. It has never happened before this way. So San Diego this year, instead of being good for the movies, was good for the toy business because now they were able. Everything that was supposed to show at Toy Fair happened at San Diego That's this exactly year. Exactly what happened. Um, I'll get to the toy stuff uh, in my last bit of the San Diego review. But yeah, but that's right. the point. Like September thirtieth to October third. But but that's what's crazy. It's like they for San Diego. Normally, it's the movies, it's the it's the shows, it's the TV things, it's all the act, you know. But they're all on strike. So this the the backup actually end up benefiting the toy companies. Even for Marvel, so Marvel could showcase all their toys, all the other media that they're doing, right? So it, they had stuff. But if you were there just exclusively for movies and TVs, this was like an older, in a way, it's not, it's still, it's still modern conventions, but it was a little bit more of an old school convention where it's like, here's our products that the toy, the, it, this is San Diego Comic Con, you know, that's, this is what we have. Here's all the comics. Here's all the comic book news. Here's all the toys. Here's all the board games. And so, in a way, this year, San Diego was, from what I saw online, a good 80 to 90% toy, comic book, and game related. So, that it was a big true. switch. So, go on. That is true. And I'll add to that because, um, like I was going to say before, once WGA started the strike a few months ago, I had a feeling the sack after was going to join and they, they had to, they had to, they had yeah. to support. They have to support each other. So it's the first time in this, in a very long time that both guilds are striking at the same time. So when support I was speaking with other people who were, or were not going to San Diego, a lot of them told me they were because the celebrities were there. And I thought to myself, maybe I should make my secondary coverage become my primary. That's yeah. what I did. Attended a lot of off-sites. I went to a few um, toy previews. Uh, the ones Ooh. I went to was Hasbro, Funko, and Marvel. Oh, I'm so glad. Did you did you fucking see that Kristar figure? Yes, I did. <laughs> I lost my shit. Because you don't understand, dude. Like, that's my... Because that toy, a lot of people don't know about, is from 1982, from Remco. And Marvel made the comics. And... 
If you you know the group The Misfits? Yes, I do. Okay, who's the lead singer of the Misfits back in the day? Glenn Danzig, right? Danzig. Where Danzig got his name from the wrestler of Danzig got his name from Danzig. So Glenn Danzig uh had a, the an album cover with the, it was even the Misfits or Dan, I think it was Danzig. And it was this giant skull head with horns. It was stolen because he stole it, because you know he's Glenn Danzig's trash. Stole it from a Crystal comic cover. So like it to me, it's like that comic book has some of the best artwork for the '82 for a regular licensed toy company, and, and so Marvel owned Crystar and sat on it for 40 years, 41 years, and here it is, Crystar and Marvel Legends. That to me was like the greatest thing ever. It's one of my favorite toys, and and it's a toy line that's very hard to collect now because the type of material because it's translucent toys. Yes, over the years toys degrade and when a crystallized figure cracks there's no way to fix it because it will never be the way it was like a regular action figure like a gi joe you can fix you know regular toys transformers you can even try and fix because you can unscrew stuff but crystal is like this crystal plastic and so it's hollow and like it can it can like pretty weather. much one touch could ruin the whole thing my my vintage one cracked, and I I glued it back together. But you can clearly see I ended up buying a new one to replace it. But here it is, a Marvel Legends scale like that stole the show for me. Seeing that because that was not supposed to happen. That toy should not exist because even though Marvel owns it, Crystal was popular from eighty two to eighty four. That's it. And if, like you're young, Jewel, you don't really know Crystal. It's not your thing, right? Anyone younger than People who were born in the early, early 80s do not know this toy line because it's so rare. And to see it at, at San Diego, stole the show. Yeah, only I'm a few, you, only a few outlets were, Yeah, only a few outlets were able to take photos of it. Um, many others couldn't. So you couldn't? No, I couldn't. Son of a bitch. Yeah, because other the, people other people paid to uh, have the exclusive, but whatever. Nah, I saw it and I, it. <laughs> yeah, I saw it and I thought it was wonderful based oh, on gorgeous, what I yeah. saw. Right. Oh, very cool. And did you see the X-Men 97 figures? Yes, they had nice. that there as well, including the freaking box art. The, you know what I loved? Uh, they did also the 98, well, 97, 96 is when the Spider-Man cartoon show came out, right? So they have the spider slayer figure and they had like stuff in the cartoons and uh that's really cool because the packaging looks like vhs tapes and then they have the toy biz style packaging for the 97 x-men and i hmm. saw the wolverine and what was really crazy they packaged not only a secondary head but a, a wolverine mask that looks really cheap but that's because that's an homage to the toy biz toy that that's how it worked and that was really cool to see yeah, I mean, when Hasbro bought, <clears throat> when the whole thing with Hasbro, that happened in the Diamond Tower behind the baseball field. That mm, whole okay. preview. That's why wow, they just take over the, that whole, that's crazy. People who don't go to San Diego, I've never been, but everyone I know has been, so you all told me, is that basically you, it takes over the whole city. San Diego is, becomes, the, it just becomes the con, like the whole yes. town. <laughs> Yeah, and something I noticed at this year's Comic-Con inside the convention center is that there's more digital billboards over there than ever. And they Smart, used you it know, too. 
Digital billboards are really kind of cool because a, I mean, it kind of sucks because you want billboards and artists to get paid, but a lot of times it's just printed up material that they slap on with glue. It's not really like art. Like in, here in New York, we have artists that actually paint the bricks and st like you've seen that in Waynesburg. No, no, I mean the, have, I mean the out of home billboards, not the ones for artists. Well, I'm just saying, you know, like, like people would hire artists to do billboards. Like now, it's just so having the digital billboards, people will say, oh, you know. Someone did get paid to put that up, but digital billboards are really cool. I just saw the Final Fantasy 16 digital billboard in uh, Tokyo train station. Mm -hmm. It is fucking amazing looking. I wonder it's, how much they paid to place that there. <laughs> well, it's it's Sony, right? I know it's a, Square Enix can afford that. I mean, they're pushing. There's been a lot of money pushing Final Fantasy 16, you know, and uh, it's just a beautiful digital. Uh, billboard and they look great digital billboards are great certain places you can have it certain places you can't have it you ain't gonna see that in new york city subways they try to but every oh, time not, i see it not yet <laughs> not yet they, they, they will have, they have a couple of digital billboards in uh in the train stations uh in long island city and in manhattan but you notice what they have broken glass because people have the obsession of punching these glass screens it's ridiculous they need to make a, a different type of glass material that can't be uh shatter somehow not shatter shatter resistant because these people and you can see it's fists because you see how it's the impact is like exactly why are you what do you made it to screen for <laughs> like oh <laughs> uh, so keep going i want to hear more about this go so <clears throat> going back to the, the toys portion i just talked about hasbro uh funko i am glad i went to that area before that shit opened because my you have to my god they turn that whole area into a little village same thing with new york comic-con back in the day remember how it just funko just is just no no just this time disgusting. they bought up more space for it it looked like a small village for wow how many people will probably work in that Jeez. yeah it was, a, it was a bunch of mini booths there one that looked like blockbuster another that looked like a bowling alley that. another that looked like a, a clothing store it, it felt like it was its own small city crazy well like yeah. you said there's been nothing, there's nothing else that San Diego could do. They, hey, Funko's like, can we get more space? Here you go. <laughs> yeah, but when I spoke with Funko, they told me that this was at least nine months in advance when the new um, chief marketing experts came in. Mm. So you they, know knew, the problem is? they knew that they was going to build it. I noticed that with Funko, I mean, there are a lot of people who just die hard Funkos, but the Funko craze has died down. And now people just kind of, you have the Funko collectors and you have people like, oh, that's cool. I'll buy this random Funko. And that's smart because it's kind of, uh, I feel the Funko psychoticness, it was when it was like the Beanie Babies craze of Funko has yeah, died I, out. I'm feeling that and, too. And, but, but it was still full there. But no, no, no. What I'm saying, it's, teetered off and it shows that it's still a good company and a good product because they know how to market to keep them see the problem with beanie babies they only knew to do one thing and so that craze died funko hit the craze and they rode the wave until it leveled out but yet they're still turning a profit so they gave me the preview of the entire uh booth and i liked what i see and i did that on preview night um, mm -mm, when I was smart, <laughs> best thing is preview, <laughs> guys. If you don't like do press stuff like we do, preview nights the day you want to do anything. Going on a regular night, I mean, they have a lot of fun stuff you could do on a regular night, but as a, when you're working, you need that preview night experience. 
exactly. It's so it's so much better. However, um, I did went back to that booth because the technology for the pop yourself thing wasn't up yet. They had hmm. to wait till Friday to bring that up. But I went there early Friday morning, created my own fucko pop. It should be arriving that's in cool. the mail sometime in a few days. But now, what what is the price range to do that? Like, how much do they charge? Or is that just exclusive for the convention? Uh, when that comes out later this year, it's going to be about thirty dollars. Oh, that's not bad. And it's also a Funko Pop. I mean, you could literally like click and pop. And when it's a, now, I have a, I have a feeling that if they um integrate um intellectual properties from other brands, it'll cost more. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. If you Funko yourself into like a Marvel or Funko yourself, you know, there's these kiosks. yeah, exactly. You're gonna be like, brother, you gotta pay for that, dude. I've seen like these kiosks when you go to like the malls and shit, and they have like these like you can make an action figure. Some Marvel has them and stuff. And uh, I feel like they don't look good because it's like, you know, the cameras are not the best or whatever have you. And they're not cheap to do anyway. Exactly. I think more, I think at Disney they do that too for a, a Star Wars figure or some shit like that. So that experience was cool. Uh, where I'm trying to think where the hell else I went. A lot of the offsites I went to, there was only two that stood out. One from the Immortal universe from amc the one that does our interview with the vampire that one was great they had all the actors actually acting as if it's 1930s uh louisiana that one was great uh the paramount one was okay and the rest of them was basically a chance to take photos at uh with characters didn't really offer uh experiences as years passed but i guess the money went somewhere else if you know what i mean well well, the problem is they can't yeah the problem is with the SAG strike, you assume most actors are in SAG. So these people are obviously not SAG actors. So it's kind of like, no, I'm I'm totally fine with it. But compared to years past, it's quite upsetting just to see where it is. Hey, you know what? Don't fucking say we're gonna starve out the writers and make them go homeless because that's some <laughs> fucked up shit. Good exactly. job, there, fucking CEOs of fucking this Warner Discovery and Disney. Yeah, good. Yeah, come on, guys. Fuck out of here. Now. Going back to Funko for a minute, do you want to know exactly where that entire village was? Where? Right next to Artist Alley. Oh, well, that'd be good carryover for the artist, you would hope. You would hope until you see the lines that um extended oh, over my to that God, alley. That's fucked up. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I heard some yeah. really messed up stuff. My fr- uh, old friend of mine, who we're not close, him, I shouldn't even call them friends anymore, but uh, acquaintances. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and yeah. Amanda Connor. Jimmy Palmiotti and Americana are, are old school, famous comic book people. Jimmy and Joe Casada were best friends. They started an imprint, then they started working at Marvel. Amanda started working at Marvel, and they've done their thing over the years. So I saw on Facebook, normally, you know, these people, when they come out to San Diego, they're sponsored to come out and like they're, they get the booth, they get. They get to do signings at certain booths and they get free, uh, you get the free hotel because that's why you invite them because their name and popularity uh, helps sell the convention. Now, Jimmy's been doing this for 25 years and Amanda as well. They were not sponsored. They actually had to go out on their own and it cost over six grand to do everything they needed to do just to go to San Diego for fucking five days. Oh, brother. And they did get to, oh, but companies did say, oh, we'll have you do a signing at our booth. And it's like, oh, that's nice, but we have to get there ourselves. So it's like, it's like, that's, that's so weird to hear. Like someone is, I know who's 
been in this business for so long and at that level wasn't sponsored to go like they couldn't flip a, a hotel and a fucking plane ticket like so he said like, look i'm coming out there and i'm promoting he has a kickstarter going right now he's like fuck it i'm gonna spend all my time while i'm out there because it cost me money to support my kickstarter fuck everybody else <laughs> so imagine you sign in at marvel's booth check out my kickstarter because <laughs> it's like like they wouldn't flip the bill for that like someone is as famous as as them as them it's it's and it's a bunch of my other friends didn't even go like these are people who always went and like were always sponsored to go and none of them were offered to go and it's like what's going on it's like yeah i know because the convention don't make them enough money like on their own like they don't make them if to have a like you know you do a local convention you can make decent money because a table isn't expensive but to get a table at San Diego, then have to pay for your banners, have to fly everything out there. It costs money to ship the stuff. And guess what I found out? What? Let's say you wanted to send your your books and your banners to the convention center. There's fees that they're going to charge you for getting the packages there. Yeah, and I, then I they, heard about that over there too. And they're doing that because of U, UPS is also about to strike too. Oh, no. That's why Big Bad Toy Store shipped my shit with DHL. Oh god. Yeah, UPS took, is about to go on strike. It took fucking two weeks for DHL to give me my fucking package. Oh god, help me. That at one of the um shipping centers was also closed for two days. Out there? Yes. Oh my god. Well, you know what? If you think about it, if San Diego becomes Comic Con, there's no way that they can make money. There'd be no way for them to work and to do stuff. Like here in New York, if you uh or around Fourth of July or Labor Day or that whole weekend before, the traffic is horrendous. So delivery trucks can't get through Sixth Avenue or Seventh Avenue and Fifth Avenue. It becomes chaos. So imagine having a San Diego. Think about when New York Comic Con happens. No one wants to go near Thirty Third Street <laughs> at all because the traffic is just terrible. Oh yeah, so they imagine, letting, dude. They this year they upped up the security. There wasn't letting any cars not only near that convention center but also in the five block radius. They extended well, all the guardrails over there. It makes sense because with all due respect in the climate. It does, it does in, make sense. I'm just giving you the logistics. In, yeah. In, in the climate we live in now, uh, so many people cluster together with all the psychos we have doing horrible stuff. You want to keep your, your attendees as safe as possible. And there's only so much you can do. Imagine some asshole got through into San Diego. It'd be fucking terrible. Hmm. And, 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 and that's it. They, 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 people, psychos go. I want to hurt as many people as possible. Where's the best place to do that? And that's what's scary. So I was at the Funko booth. Um, I ran into Xavier Woods. We chatted for about ten minutes. I he saw actually, that. Yeah, that he so actually cool. remembered me from last year. I was like, oh shit, what are you doing here, dude? <laughs> dude, you know it's so funny. People remember you, Jules. <laughs> people do remember you. Yeah, so we was chatting for about 10 minutes. He told me he was uh, doing a panel with uh, Mike Tyson at the Tekken panel later that day, which he did. Yeah, and, yeah I saw the pictures of that, too. Yeah, that one that was qu- quite cool. Uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis panel I did not go to because it conflicted with a press room I was doing for Mortal Kombat. In fact, I think that was the only press room I've done this year because of the actors who did Mortal Kombat um, were not sagged. I don't think video game acting has a union yet. Well, the they, thing is, just actors are actors, right? So the all the underneath the sex screen actors. Guild, there's, so yeah, there's only there to promote the uh, the game. 
Right. So the problem is being that they're digitized sprites, which is more like the the actors are more like mocap. Uh, they probably could use people who aren't in SAG or even in the the stunt actors guild or whatever. So I think it's a whole different ball game. I think personally, it'd be smart for the screen actors guild to start including all these other people. Bring in the stunt actors so they don't have a separate union. Bring in the like you know all these like video game people, the voice. Keep them, put them underneath an umbrella of one giant union. That way you have the divisions of unions, like in my union, right? I'm porters, right? But we also have window washers, we have security, and we have doormen, right? So we have multiple layers of different union departments with different layers, but we're all underneath the umbrella of that union, which makes you a stronger union. Just, just a thought. They should do yeah, that. Yeah, Because, because imagine if you did that, the strike would not happen as long. So because if you have it be everybody, no one can work. Oh, we'll get negotiating right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I forgot to mention this, but Funko gave me a lot of shit um during that whole thing too, which is good. That's good. I'm glad That's I was cool. able to get it home though. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> did you have to get like a separate suitcase, or were you able to get into the one bag? No, I put it in one bag. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, let me think for a second. I I have I had to make a joke at Sonic because they made a makeshift restaurant there. I don't know why. But let me show you let me show you my screen because the prices here I believe were cost more than convention food. And I think it cost more than anything that was over there. Like, oh, because I it's it's a pop up. It's a pop up, you know. Take a look what at those prices. Where's it? How much was this? How much of the sides? Holy shit! Oh, twelve. I, I, I gotta, I gotta zoom in here. Yeah, let's see. All right, right, right there, right there. Go ahead, take a look at that. Let's see. Please take a look. Sonic Classic Chili Dog, ten bucks. Thirteen dollars. I heard it was small. Egg dog. What the hell is an? What the fuck is an egg dog? <laughs> Egg salad topped hot dog? <laughs> Vegan chili dog? I can't Have lie, that might taste good. <laughs> the evil genius egg salad sandwich. Oh my god, this food's so simple too. So simple you that you what? don't even I need think... the Sonic branding. You know what though? I, I feel like it's because you know, it's it's a theme. You're only doing it once. They probably put it in special wrappers. You know, you're paying for like the experience. You're not buying this food to buy the food. You're buying it because it's themed. I get it. Because, you know, I, I, I've been to, like, cafes that were themed to, like, um like in Japan, they have, like, the Final Fantasy-themed cafe and stuff. And it's just simple foods that is overpriced. Like, the maid cafes is like, oh, here's a eggs, an egg salad, an a omelet, an omelet, right? It'll be an omelet with rice. Fucking $16 for a, a shitty... For a shitty, but it's the experience of the maids and the whole way the space looks. So that's what you're paying for. You're not paying for the food for this. You're paying for like the theme. So that's different. You would take this is the thing you go, you do it once, you take pictures, and you know, you're not going in and enjoying the food because no one else can go to this. Once this convention's over, this doesn't exist no more. Nope. So it's it's different. You know, it's just the theme. I, I, that's fine, I guess. It's, it, I, it's, it would be fine if I did not have to compare prices to all the other ones. I'm telling you, this is the most expensive food I've seen at this convention. Well, 
Once again, it's the Sonic branding. It's like I said, it's probably packaged. You know, they probably colored the food to make it look like Sonic. It, it's all that bullshit. It's just it's, that it's, those prices make sense for something that's themed for one time only. Hmm. Yeah, they've done that before. Like I've done the pop up thing when they had the Powerpuff Girl pop up store, and like T shirts were like fucking thirty five, forty dollars for like a white T shirt with like a design. So you're like. It's only because the experience of going there. So it's not like you're not doing it. Like you wouldn't buy that shirt normally for that. You do it because it's the theme. So also at uh Comic Con, I did went to the show besides Funko, I went to the show for only once. And mm. I think that was worth it because I avoided all the crowds. You remember last year when um that whole thing with Mattel happened? What happened last year? I don't remember. That overcrowding just for tickets. Oh, I posted a video about that last year. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, this year they this year to prevent all that they uh, joined the online um, ticket portal like all the others. So none of that happened at Mattel's booth this year, and they made sure. Let me tell you something. As much as I'm a He-Man fan and all that, you know, but man, Mattel has never known how to run their company properly. They've lived in the dark ages for so long that they refuse to evolve with the time. Like most companies will start doing random new concepts. Hey, let's think outside the box. And they will hire someone to think outside the box. When they hire someone to think outside the box, they go, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, but that's why you hired me to think outside. No, 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 no. We have our way of doing stuff. So it's like they, they, they shackle themselves. So Digital portals are commonplace now. I mean, let's be real. Even at amusement parks, you want the fast pass, you can literally do it digitally now for most places. So you don't have to fucking wait online or go to a separate kiosk. And you know what I'm saying? This 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 it's the year 2023. Here we go. Mattel it took them to now to finally wake the fuck up. We're a system that's already been in place. That that's that sounds like hundred percent like Mattel. The only panels that were actually full this year were, besides The Walking Dead, was Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, the mm-hmm. Tekken one, and Mortal Kombat. Well, let me tell you, that new uh, Mortal Kombat game is very cool. Mortal Kombat 1, right? And that is cool looking, except I think my problem is I want my characters to look like the characters from Mortal Kombat. Oh, I- here's how Ed Boone actually addressed that. Uh, because of the story about Liu Kang's resetting the entire world, um, they wanted the players to look at it through his vision, aka so Liu that- Kang's vision, with all bright and colorful. But there will be stages and story points will also have his dark and gothic aesthetic too. But I mean, I just did the aesthetics of the costume designs. I wanted it to be like, I figured like when I saw Mortal Kombat 11, which I still never picked up yet, 11? that shit. Was it eleven? That's the last one they made with the we can like get Robocop and all that shit, right? Yeah, eleven's awesome. I've never gotten it yet. And oh, I it's, really it's awesome, man. It's awesome. I know besides oh, the level and, and grinding, that, it's good. To me, it's like there's so many cool characters and designs. I'm like, damn, I want to get the Robocop one. <laughs> like, but I've never picked I still have never picked it up yet, and I feel bad about that. But I, I mean, at least the characters look like more combat characters. Like I want that traditional look, or at the very least, have it. Maybe they might have it in this, who knows, as unlockable costumes, you know, maybe later on. Like, I can see making it new, have all the, your new concept for the story. You have to make the story original. I get it. But maybe having unlockables where you can get the classic costumes and stuff. I have a feeling that's going to be in. I'm just a little weirded out because they made Sub-Zero and Scorpion Brothers now in this game. And Melina and um, Katana kind of related, too. 
a little weirded out. Well, it, they'll, I'm still going to get a, it though. They got a storyline they're working on. It's fine. And look, that in Sweet Street Fighter Six looks fucking sick as shit, bro. Street Fighter Six is much. I think it's the best one since the fourth one that came out in 2009. What drives me crazy is that people. This one guy at my job was talking about it, and uh, he was like complaining that because it's a tutorial, he just wants to play. Go right into a mic, but this is a different. The Street Fighter Six is a lot to it, you know. Maybe yeah, you can't approach it the same way as you did the other games. It's he sent it back. He's like, oh, I I couldn't just grind. I couldn't just do what I wanted, so I sent it back. I'm like, so you missed out on the opportunity of playing a really good game because there was a tutorial. I'm like, (laughs) there's so much new mechanics. Maybe having the tutorial helps. He's like, nah, I I couldn't be bothered. I sent that shit back, and I'm like, all right, (laughs) good, good on you. Oh, I did. I was able to speak with a lot of uh, comic creators too. They honestly, they felt a very good vibe from this year. As a lot of them, I can't say who, but a lot of them did say they experienced a lot more sales this year compared to others because There's it's not the lack going of on. the lack of Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. So overall, I mean, it's good, dis- but <laughs> overall, despite it not being a, a huge actor presence, it was actually a good show over there. Well, I'm glad I, I saw you. I saw the pictures you were posting. So I, I saw a lot of my other friends that are there for like the toy end, and someone there for the other oh, end for the comic end, and they look like they had a real big good blast, and that's really cool. Oh, I, also, I, I, I had my very first panel over there. Even though, yes, yeah, I was a, a panelist over there, which was really great. I'm not sure when um fan planning is going to post it yet, but it was all about how journalists deal with fandoms, and let's just say I kind of let loose a little. <laughs> Good. That's because fine. Yeah, dealing with, dealing with fans is the fucking worst at most times. Let's be real. With no disrespect, it doesn't matter. Look what we deal with with this podcast, right? Like, you get your diehards. You get the people who just won't change their opinion about stuff. You get a lot of different perspectives, which everyone's allowed to have their opinion. But man, they make it tough when you're doing this and this stuff. You get so much shit. Like when speaking, especially being journalists or doing like uh, reviews or whatever, you'll get these people who just just decide that they don't like you and don't like your opinion and think your opinion is some kind of agenda paid by a company. And you sit there going, <laughs> you know, my opinions are my opinions because that's just like assholes. We all have one. And <laughs> but like they feel like you know, I can't stand what people are just like. You know, if you're if we have a difference of opinion, that's okay. Like we should have different opinions. We we shouldn't all like if we're all robots that like the same thing, then there's nothing to like. Exactly. But like the fans make it sometimes every fan, especially when it comes to like wrestling and toys and comics, there are fandoms of these people who are just disgusting. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I can't wait to see the panel. Let me know when it goes up, I'll watch it. Oh yes, I will, I will. <clears throat> uh let's see here. Let's go to Dark Side of the Ring. Um Absolutely. How many episodes have you watched so far? Uh, I just finished up Abdul the Butch. I think it was the newest one, right? Yeah, let's talk about that one and, though, and then go backwards. Um, yeah. This episode, I believe, is the most controversial of the entire season to probably the level of the plane ride from hell because of all the shit I see online. Uh, Abdullah, most for the most part, was full of shit, just like Hannibal was as well. But for the hepatitis, right? Yeah, for the hepatitis, he acted the like he was so innocent. The hepatitis C stuff outside of Hannibal because he never. He told us in other podcasts he never let anyone blame him besides um, Abdullah, and court records and all that shit um exposed it. 
I wish they would have dived more deeper into that on this episode. Well, you know, at least they didn't hide the fact that Hannibal got himself in trouble. For oh, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. I'm watching it. Me and my wife are watching it going, but this son of a bitch stabbed the <laughs> fucking referee. And all of a sudden they showed up. Like, okay, never mind. Calm down. And they got to it. I thought they were going to avoid that. I'm glad they didn't because that right there is some bullshit. The guy is not a good person either. No, he Hannibal, isn't. Hannibal TV, which is his thing. Hannibal himself. It, it, With that it, low is, monotone voice. He's so he is trash, and the fact that he was allowed to wrestle after that—they said they gave him medicines and he's okay, whatever. But my problem is at the end of the day, it's 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 all trash. And you notice how like there's maybe one or two wrestlers that actually talked on Abdul the Butcher's thing, and it was mostly just his family. Yeah. So you know you have to understand at the end of the day, um, Abdul the Butcher is an old man. He's old now. He's sick. I get it. I'm not going to talk bad about him for that. He is. He was money. He is popular. He had a. He had a legacy. I do not think he was ever the greatest wrestler. But that's no, not what not. his. That was never what his position was about. Uh, I felt like Mick Foley did a very good job of trying to like skirt the line of. Uh, I felt like, like Mick Foley wanted to say something against him. I mean, but the whole you know. But he kind of wanted to back off. But he no. did good though. He, I like I said. Well, I don't know if he can't read, but he was able to order menus, no problem. <laughs> it wasn't that's only Mick Foley he's... that saw him doing Hannibal yeah, yeah. saw it, yeah, yeah. Kevin Sullivan, Sherry yeah. Martel, all, yeah. all these people, man. All but, these you know, people. Yeah, you know, I mean, but at the same time, is that like maybe it's very possible he after he, when people okay, say they so can't... if if it was possible, how was he able to get into WCW? What I'm trying to say is that, especially back when I was with the Butcher was doing stuff, you did not need to know how to read or write. They'd say, sign this. We're going to pay you this money. He never read the contracts. I know for a fact that I know people uh, can do this without reading because I literally have a worker at my job. Okay. So if can't he does, read or write. <laughs> okay. Without WCW, how was he able to manage two businesses without reading contracts? Oh, see. Here's another thing. I know a person who owns two apartment complexes what? and purchased them with no, with not being able to read. He, what Are they, you what shitting me, Rob? I don't know. 100% truth. He owns two comp- apartment complexes, collects his rent. He even had two uh, apartments that were uh, rents, uh, were, um, we call it, uh, uh, you know, in the uh, Section 8? You have to yes. fill out paperwork for that. He can't fucking read or write. He can't because he had people do it for him. No one tells you that. Oh, Abdullah signed this contract in his own. Who's to say he did that? Were you in the office when he signed the contract? No. He guaranteed he probably took the papers, brought them home, and had someone else read it for him. He has a family. They probably helped him out, filled out that shit. What would I what people don't understand about people who can't read or write? They, it's not that they cannot read or write. Is that some of them only learned up to a certain amount. Abdullah said he went to school to second grade. I know kids in second grade that can read or write. What you're not realizing is that when things get complicated, they do not understand it. There is a difference. Signing a contract because, hey, I'm going to pay you, and they see the numbers because they can read numbers. And when you order in a menu, the word chicken is all you need to remember. And you're going to order food. You know what I'm saying? Chicken, steak, you know what you're doing. You know, Abdul is not working at Starbucks and order a venti grande. He can't do that. But I do know people who can't read or write, but they have a limit. It's not that you're completely unable to do anything. It's just you have a limit. What we confuse as an adult of being able to read and write is not the same thing as someone who can't. They can. They've learned to um, 
look and visualize and put words together with what they know. Like you ever notice when you look at like hieroglyphic, like when I learned Japanese, I recognize character, kanji, uh, the different kanji. I don't know them all. I'm still learning, you know? So I don't know what it, I know, oh, that's the symbol for this. And this is this. Oh, this must mean this. And if I'm doing the Duolingo, what I know from it, I can't read that sentence, but I know that this means this and this is that. But I would be literally illiterate in Japanese. You understand what I'm saying? But I can put some things together and make it work. I'm not defending him. I think he's full of shit. But I'm just saying there are people I know who have gone through and had businesses that cannot read a contract. My worker, I texted him, go to the 10th floor. He looks at it, freaks out, brings it to a fellow worker, goes, what is it saying? And my worker goes, you can't read that? What is he telling me? Oh, my God. And he'll call me. What do you need me to do? I'll do it right away. Because he cannot read. Go to the 10th floor. But he's been working for 35 years in this company, had to sign the contracts, had to sign paperwork, had to fill out information and, and, and W-2s and W-4s. He doesn't do it himself. He gets someone to do it for him. And that's how everyone, how, the, how all these people do it. That's the stuff that people don't want to talk about. But at the same time, you have to have some kind of uh, knowledge, something. So to say Abdullah Butcher can't do anything. No, he got up to second grade, third grade. A kid in third grade can definitely read some stuff. Don't, don't tell me they can't. Tell us stuff about the blood. Um, oh, it's yeah. too much. Oh, oh awful, man. Awful. I mean, is it even worse because of hindsight? I mean, we know the hepatitis. Watch yes, it that's, back, it, that's it why it's worse. And yeah, I'm going to the John Moxley bit. How much is too much? You don't need it yeah. in every single match. Yeah, no. Flair used to do it, but he never did it on TV every single week. That's the problem is because when, the, when Flair got popular and WCW became its thing, uh, they started becoming much more kid-friendly. So a lot of that stuff was cut out from WCW, WWF. They cut that out, a lot of it. But yeah. if you look at every old-school wrestler, they have just the scars on the head, a horrendous, dusty. Every So it's the idea that when they got in the late 80s and they realized there is a money to be made from children, because remember, well, let's, let's be honest, and I, I'm going to admit it because even though I don't like Hulk Hogan, when that happened, when Hogan came and Vince turned it around, it became a kid's product again. Wrestling became all ages. Even though there was no term for that back in the day, uh, cut out the blood because we want kids and families to come to this, right? Yes. And sure. so, and so, they they're trying to get more sponsors too, right? So they cut it out. So we can say that oh, blood wouldn't happen. Rick Flair didn't do it on TV, but because they were trying to sell at that time when it became popular, um, they're trying to sell toys they were trying to sell whatever they were trying to sell and like you said the sponsorship you cut it out because if you look at any of these old school wrestlers jesus christ their foreheads are fucking terrible <laughs> yeah if you if you wanted to see blood at that time you had to go to the territories oh my god i i i i'm growing up seeing the bushwhackers as this cute and cuddly whatever and watching their shit from back in the day i'm like what the who are these guys <laughs> What the fuck are these guys? It's like it's like it's completely different. It's so um it's like so surreal. And honestly, something that wouldn't happen nowadays because with the internet, we could see footage from all around the world. So no one in America knew who the bushwhackers were until they became the bushwhackers. So, I mean, so it wasn't there when it was the sheep herders. 
Right. They were just these guys fighting Samoans every week <laughs> in territories that that was known for doing this violent stuff, just like the Sheik. We all know who the Sheik is, but most of us never saw the Sheik. So you didn't know what the Sheik did because we weren't exposed to the Sheik nope. on national TV. Not until so years the, later when they started making like DVD sets on right. WWE. I mean, I mean, I used to rent videos when I was a kid, and they would have these random matches from like you know pre because these these collections would be like um, non WWF and non NWA non WCW. So you would get these collections. I would I remember when I saw Ted DiBiase versus Jim ha- Jim Duggan, and neither one of them was the Million Dollar Man or Hacksaw, and I'm going, wait, what? <laughs> no way they existed before those gimmicks. No, but they were wrestlers, obviously. And it was a pretty violent match between Hacksaw and DiBiase because this was before they came to WWF. And it was a pretty hardcore, not like hardcore, but like the violence, the punching, the kicking, the choking, the attacking, you know, it was, it's much more, it was way grittier than you'd watch with the whole shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that didn't exist. You know, Teddy DiBiase didn't stand there and go, ha 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 ha. Well, there was none of that. So as a kid being exposed to that, my brain was like, what is this? You know, I was like, I remember I was like maybe seven when I got the rent of the tape. I remember I read it from the video store and I'm like, who are these guys? (laughs) I don't know these guys at all. (laughs) That's how I reacted when I first saw um, what's his name? Uh, stunning Steve Austin compared to Stone Cold. It's so crazy, right? But you know what's so funny? When you look at Stunning Steve Austin, you can you can see in the back there's a little Stone Cold in there. You know, he's he's his his um his persona of who he really is is in the back. Even when he's trying to be the stunning, like you know how some guys would be the stunning, beautiful blonde guy, and, and they would act a certain way. Stone Cold can't do that. Even when he was stunning Steve Austin, so you look at this guy trying to be—it's like watching Johnny Ace being a surfer. It doesn't fucking make sense. It's like he couldn't spell surfboard. And he's like, <laughs> I mean, like the first—I would say the Sit first man, surfboard guy. I would say the first time we actually saw a glimpse of the actual Stone Cold was in ECW. Yes, and it was amazing to see. He was superstar Steve Stone, not a superstar Steve Austin. Right. The idea was that he was starting to find his persona, and because Paul Heyman being friends with him, working went back in the day, he knew what this guy was capable of, and that's why he brought him over. Just do what you got to do. Same thing we did with Pillman. He'd bring these guys over, do these things, do these things. We don't care. I want people to see who the real you is. And I think, you know, as much as Paul Heyman has his faults, he's done a lot to say, hey, let's change stuff here. Like a legit real change. Like some people clinged on to the past. When we're watching, I'm watching old WCW now because like we've talked about this many times. I've never watched it because I couldn't stand that shit. And watching them doing like those vignettes with Raider and Sid on the beach, or like you know, of course the the, the what was it the uh, with the uh, with uh, Kevin Sullivan and You're talking about with the, many the shark. Yeah, what was the shark and what was that group called? The um, it was um Sullivan, Sid, and uh, Vader. No, 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 no. But like, also when he started. Oh, doing you're that, talking about the um the Doom the, with the, Betsy Benoit and all those people. Before that, when it was Hogan. He's doing the war. Oh, the water's not hot. And oh, the, the Dungeon, Dungeon of Doom. Dungeon, Dungeon of Doom. 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 The Dungeon of Doom. Oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> I knew it was Doom. 
the Dungeon of Doom, right? And these caricatures, these kitty characters. Like, there's Earthquake. He's the shark. There's Brutus Beefcook. He's this, um, the Zodiac. And Zodiac. Like, and I'm sitting there going, this is fucking terrible. And this is the 90s. So, like, Paul Heyman's like, okay, no, we don't need to. There's another group of people that we hear the voices and they're not being identified. And Paul Heyman legitimately turned that up. And that's cool because that's what we have wrestling has changed. But it's so funny. Like you said, to watch stunning Steve Austin come out with the blonde hair and like, you know, this doesn't work. <laughs> but you could see his skill set though. Like you could see his his wrestling ability. Like I, I, it's really cool to see that. Then we go to uh, Adrian Adonis. I've only noticed. Enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it too. I've only known him from his uh, his late eighties WWE run, based on stories from years later. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I was a teenager, dude, I never knew anything about this character. Yeah, I didn't. From his early WWF before he changed to the gay character, I've never seen any of that. No, me, me neither. Because I, why would I? Here's the problem: his persona when he became uh, Adrian Adonis. As you know, whatever, and you know, like him seeing with the makeup and was wildly he's doing. I remember all of that. So crazy to see this when he was on the Vince McMahon's talk show thingy. I remember Tuesday night times. Tuesday night times. I remember seeing all those. Now I didn't have uh, cable, but we had the videotapes. I saw all of those. I I saw the uh, uh, Adrian Donas. I remember when Roddy Piper smacked uh, Lord Alfred Hayes in the face. And I remember all of those moments, all those sit down, Andre doing the little fishy thing. And I remember all of those because it was like a way of seeing wrestlers outside of wrestling, especially at the time. And I do not ever remember seeing Adrian Donis with a leather jacket being a tough guy because once 84, 85, 83, he changed. So when I was five years old in 82 and wrestling was on, I only could see what I could see when it would just appear on, right? So you didn't see these segments. I didn't see, like, I never knew who the, I just recently learned about the Iron Greek, you know, uh, Spiro Anios, whatever. Yes. And I wish I could have seen that guy. I think he would have been one of my favorite wrestlers if I was a kid, like at, in, at that age, because like that guy was fucking he got the business he understood it and, and i'm sad that i've only recently learned about him uh because i never knew who the iron greek was never i never knew about this dude one and he was about, with um, freddie blassie <laughs> and all that one thing about um adonis with the gay character kevin castle told this story on the latest uh wrestling suit podcast where him and john draper used to go to madison square garden and they would see him in matches those chants were real man all oh, those yeah, he knew those what he was doing because people don't understand that a lot of you know, those words that you cannot say today, them, that shit was real. It wasn't even bleeped out. And I went back on the network and checked a lot of those shows. They were not bleeped out. Well, because it was okay back then. Yeah, it was, it was back then. It was okay, but you know, it was just that was the reaction they wanted to get. Because it, if you couldn't do a foreign heel, you did a gay, a bigglessly gay character even until the 2000s with Billy and Chuck where it was a joke it was meant as a disrespect yeah but i and think Adonis was knew, the one of the first to pull it off no he was the only one honestly that legitly pulled it off properly like he came out 
And remember, prior to Adrian Donis, no one ever said they were gay. They were just flamboyant. Remember, uh, uh, Gorgeous George was never gay. He was just flamboyant with his female uh, uh, valet, and he would spray the perfume in the air. and Like, he wasn't gay. Rick the model Martel wasn't gay. He did the arrogant spray. He wore the bow tie and the blazer, but he wasn't gay. He was a model. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, I wish that we'd have gotten any stories of why he changed the character in the first place. I mean, he never did any interviews about it, or nor does anyone know why. It wasn't his. It was Vince said, "Hey, you know, it'd be great. You're a really tough guy. Let's make." I mean, like, we could say that it's (laughs) Vince, though. But I need to. I want to know what's more of the inspiration of the development of it. Besides, hey, Vince, let's tell you to do. Oh yeah, that's the problem. Is like, you know, Vince tells you to do it, you go all in. And like, how do you go all in and make it work? That's the problem. Vince can give you any gimmick. Uh, hey, you're gonna be Mantar. By the way, he just passed away. Yeah, he uh, just passed away last week. He was only 55. I'm like, that dude was must be a baby when he wrestled as Mantar. <laughs> I called a little bullshit. They called him a WWE legend. Eh. <laughs> I mean, he was a wrestler. It's like he was not a legend, but like you know, I'll... Adrian Donis was. Uh, it was a really cool documentary because it's, I didn't know other than his gimmick. I didn't know anything about him. This was a really good video. It was really that was a really good one. I it tugged at your heartstrings a little bit. I got back into shape and he was trying to get himself better. And then yeah, you know that's something I wanted to point out. <clears throat> um, he they said he ballooned up to four hundred pounds and. Would you when you look at him in the early eighties and then to yeah. his first run in WWE and then to the next year and then the following year, you yeah. feel like you're watching three different people. How the Looks hell so he go, how in the hell did he balloon up that grossly? Well, like the guy said, who was it? Oh, um, jumping Jim Bronzel was saying like you do drugs and when you're kind of coherent, you binge eat and then you pass back out. Because there's no gym, you don't go to the gym when you're not doing drugs as bad as he was doing. You eat to survive because you know you're hungry and the drugs make you hungrier. So it is very possible that, you know, he just gorged. You know, we, su- a- I am surprised that no, um, a lot of people is not bringing this up that Bret Hart admitted that he did cocaine with him. That, I think that's the very that was, first, that's the very ever. first time I've heard Bret talk about that. But the way he first started talking about it, I'm thinking, like, oh, he's not going to admit to doing drugs, but you're in a room full of the best wrestler, biggest stars, and they let you win. And they say do blow at that yeah, time. I think he was more peer pressured into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. Yeah. But you did it because, you know, that's what you did. Because you think the anvil, my heart. He didn't do blow. Fucking lie to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that gimmick is nothing but pure 100% blow. Because what gimmick was that? Ah, I grabbed his beard. That's something you do when you're on fucking drugs. <laughs> yeah, but I find that quite shocking. Brett finally admitted it on this yeah. episode. Which is amazing, which is cool because you know what? He's got to tell a story about getting into the private room with the boys. Yeah, because they couldn't trust and, him because he was the quote-unquote promoter's kid. A booker's kid, yeah. So you're like, you got to you gotta tell the truth. I'm glad Brett did that. I you know, you so. want to worry, but he's at that age where his he could say anything unless he killed somebody. And it would be, <laughs> and I don't think his career, I don't think his legacy is tarnished. Mm-mm. So being honest helps. Another thing we learned about this up Adonis was the car crash. For years and years, the story was that yep. um they crashed because a moose was in the way. Now we finally learned the actual story. What was the actual story? There was no moose in the way. 
They just swerved on the road and they crashed. Bad weather. Yeah, it's bad weather. It's, it's fucking can It's Newfoundland, and then that time in the eighties, the the global warming wasn't as bad, so they actually had winters. But then they were saying they were all doing drugs. They did this. They were drunk. The guy who survived is like, that's not what happened. I was in the front seat. I was with my brother. You know, like we were in the front seat. Yeah, and I and didn't know, dude. I didn't know anyone survived that um crash. Me neither. I didn't know anyone survived that crash either. And uh, but I thought it was really amazing to see him talk about. It. it was really sad because I felt really bad for that guy. And then like to hear that the rain crew just robbed. Yeah, that just was straight fucking up. terrible. How? They robbed him right after the crash and also broke into his hotel room and robbed us of $6,000. Like, to me, pay your crew better, bro. That's some scum. You want to talk about carny bullshit? That is true yeah. carny bullshit. We could say anything you want about carny bullshit that we mean, but when you think of real carny bullshit, that's what we really should be talking about. The ring crew robbed a dead man that they were literally working with every day. Someone they worked with every day, and they didn't. They didn't. They didn't care. They took his body as nothing, and robbed him blind while he was still fucking dead in the water. That to me is terrible. Shit. Yeah. Overall, it's my second favorite episode of the season so far. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Before that was Junkyard Dog. I think this one really exposed the ugly side of him. Yeah. I mean, JYD, we've, I don't know how many times I have to say this on this podcast. Wrestlers do wrestling, especially back in the day, because it's the only job they can have where they can get away with the bullshit they get away with. Because if they try to do that in any other job, they wouldn't have a career. That's right. Wrestler, wrestlers are not normal people, especially old school wrestlers. Old school wrestlers, remember, imagine being a bunch of liars that have to protect everyone new. Most people, the people that tell you they thought wrestling was always real, are just, they don't, just tell me you're gullible without telling me you're gullible. People knew, my father said to me when I was a kid, I told the story many times, this is not real. You cannot punch somebody in the face that hard and nothing happened. You can't hit somebody with a freaking two by four and not split their head open. None of this is real. It's okay though, because it's fun. They're athletic. They're jumping around. They're doing this stuff. These guys are athletes. They're stuntmen. They, my father told me this since I was a kid. And the problem is, it's the same reason when you watch people that fall in love with soap operas and think it's real. You, but it's not. It's clearly not. And it's okay. But they would go out of the way to protect the business to tell a lie. If you're willing to lie about your job, you're willing to lie and do a lot of other shit. And you need people who are – remember when they toughen you up in the training part back in the day? It was to protect lies. That's the truth about the, uh, uh, um, toughening you up is to protect the lie of the business. And there's lots of lies in wrestling business. So you're going to have a lot of these guys that are just not going to be the best people in the world. Exactly. And by he was great at Mid-South, but by the time he came to WWE, even though he was a good character, he was a shell of his former self, I would say. I mean, there was a lot of people in that documentary who said that he could have um, been in the main event, all that. Could have, yes, but Remember who's on top then, and remember how they got their cash, a.k.a. his name is Hulk Hogan. Listen, Vince... All, all due Bob, respect to Junkyard Dog, but Hogan was the cash goose over there. The problem is, when I saw this whole stuff for years, I've been watching lots of stuff about uh, JYD, and I'm going, man, you know what? Everyone instantly loved JYD. As a kid, 
I don't know why. I see G.O.I.D. I fucking loved the character. I loved him. And I only knew him because of WWF. Because he got the national stage then. And I saw matches. I did see matches on that that tape, the same tape I said about Teddy Biasi over there. Yeah. You know, JYD, I saw in videos and that he would just have these matches. He'd do his little thing. And he was kind of like he was also very similar in style back then to like Dusty, where he would be very charismatic. People loved him. People, the crowd automatically loved JYD. And as a kid, I didn't comprehend. He was doing that in in a part of the South where that doesn't happen. To be that over in those parts of the territories that were predominantly uh, racist, let's be honest, and to see him get over is a big deal. It shows you what he's worth. And yeah, he was never going to get over WWF because not a lot of people don't realize how, you know, at the time we didn't realize Hogan would never give up his spot because he wanted all the money. And, and JYD was making money. He was making money. They were yes. making bank at WWF, but he was definitely making bank in this in the small territories because he was the Hulk Hogan of that part. He was so beloved. And JYD could have gotten over because when every time JYD was coming down the ring when I'd watch or when I would whatever, he was over. The crowds instantly pop when he he came out. And when JYD came out, people loved him. He was loved, man. He would do the silly little headbutt on his on all fours. It's a stupid move. People popped. The crowd would go nuts every time JYD would jump on all fours and bubble and headbutt the person, and the guy would sell the shit out of it, and people would go nuts. Could he have been a main inventor? Absolutely. There's a lot of guys in WWF who should have and could have been main eventers, but they yes. weren't because you know. They, but that that's also once again politics of wrestling at the time, and and that's a problem. It is a problem, but you know. JYD made his money. And, I, you know, I wish the episode would have dived into why he went for his political science degree. Do you know why? No, I don't know. So, in 1968, when the MLK assassination happened, his high school um did a complete riot in this school, and a lot of the students, I believe it was 12 or 14, were suspended, and he was one of them. So you know this was in the documentary. Yeah, that should have been in the documentary. I've it read would that help about... you understand him more. Exactly. So that's why he went to political science because of the tensions of the racial and the racial uh, movement in the South at that time. Makes sense. Yeah, it's awesome. Not so a stupid me... man, obviously. <laughs> no, no, no. Before that was the Graham family. Um, this one. I'm gonna tell you. I I I watched it, but I was kind of like. All right, I feel bad. I think a lot of stuff in that one I kind of already knew. We have we've seen, like not it was like all the bits and pieces we've heard all over the place before. So to me, this was the least like oh my god, of it to me. I will say this: um, the way the family dealt with alcoholism that was kind of eye opening, and I yeah. think the moral of this one was how the daughter wants to not only. I would say this, the daughter wants to not bring that same stigma to herself and to her own family. I think right, that's right. one of the highlights of that episode. Right, right. I agree with that. It's just that to me, I felt like of all the episodes, this was kind of like um, the least of the best, I guess. Because every episode is great. But I feel like 
this is one of the ones that took the bottom of the list. Like if I was asked, if you would ask me, hey, when I what episodes I should watch of this, if I'm just getting into it, I would never say this one first. Then we got um, Matt Bourne, Dort the Clown. This one was really great. You seem to love this one more. I think you hyped it too much for me because when I watched it, I'm like, oh, so he's just a piece of shit. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I get it. Oh, but he's such a mastermind. I'm like, you know what? I know everyone keeps talking about how great he was uh, as the Kimmick, but I feel at the end of the day, well, it, it didn't I, get to the levels it needed to because it was the time frame. I think the most interesting parts about this episode was the conversations surrounding his death. Um, I think his delusional daughter still thinks yeah. his ex-girlfriend killed him. Yeah, that's I weird. mean, as weird as that is, it's a bit suspect. Like, why didn't she call the ambulance like immediately instead of maybe 10, 20 hours later? And I say why? With all due respect, they're all trash. The whole everyone in this I know this. I shouldn't say this. I, I, I don't mean any disrespect, but it's kind of hard when you you open up your family like this and you look at the people involved and how they act and the way they. You could put on a nice dress or a nice blouse and a nice shirt all you want. You're trash. Everyone in this 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 special, all of the people close to him, are like just the bottom of like that woman he was married with at the end was just. I knew she used to be a wrestler lady or whatever. She, she's trash. Like she went back to sleep because she didn't give a shit. Let's be real. She didn't kill him, but she didn't give a fuck. Oh, you're gurgling. You're fine. He went back to sleep. If you love someone, you call the fucking ambulance. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. They fuck it. There's so much trashiness. There's so much like this is Jerry Springer level trash that he was involved with. And he did it to himself. Because he was not actually a very good guy. He got himself angry all the time. He he self-destructed everywhere he went that people didn't want to work with him. He tried to shoot on Hacksaw, right? And Hacksaw was like, I, don't yeah, fucking just, I remember that. That was great. You know what the weird the thing, thing is? When he I remember we did um a show ten years ago of um around yeah. the same time when he died. We both thought it was a work. Yeah, yeah. When they were talking shit, I'm like, why are you trying to work a an indie show. No, no, and, I'm saying his death. The, the episode oh, we did around his death 10 years right. ago, we were both saying thought it was a work at that time. Because I'm thinking like, because the, the problem is that's almost like a work. More like, oh, they kill off these guys all the time. <laughs> oh, they're killing these guys all off. Yeah, all Doink's dead. I'm like, didn't they say Doink died in 96? Like, <laughs> fuck out of here. You know? But I, I remember when the Hacksaw incident happened, that was a big, what was great about with the new age of wrestling we started hearing a lot more of these indie bullshits because people would film it and put it up on YouTube. YouTube's oh, been yeah. a great, great YouTube's been great for that. And great I source. remember, I remember when that match happened. We saw it all over YouTube, and 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 the hacks were going, "What the fuck?" And they would be sometimes there'd be short cuts of it, and there'd be the longer video. And hacks were going, "Go in the back, do it the right way. I'll be right there." And he left through the crowd and dipped out. And hacks was like, "You gonna wait thirty years to fucking get?" back at me he's like <laughs> what a great plan he's like wait till we're old and then fucking try to do it <laughs> and i'm like i love that i, I like mcfoley's like he tried to fight he tried to shoot on a hacksaw who the fuck shoots on hacks <laughs> it's like really of at all that people. point in time of all people and at that point in time all these years later meanwhile you were both in the company in the 80s and 90s you know what i'm saying 
Like it, that's so stupid. You were mad about something that happened in 81, 82. And then you wait till like 2000, whatever, to try to make your comeback about it. Like to get your revenge. Like really? Just, just say you didn't want to work with him. Like just, just, just tell the promoter, look, I don't really want to work next. So I mean, him just, you know, we don't see eye to eye. No, we're going to try to do a thing. We're like, oh my God, stop it. They always just ruin the fucking fans that pay tickets to come see it. Exactly. As well. Uh, back to TA. I thought this was a really good one too. Yeah. I mean, I've heard everything about it. And my problem is when everyone talked about the accident, how like when you're learning about information online and you don't watch that product when it happened, you everything's hindsight. Oh, well, you know, this happened. Oh, after the car accident. And my brain always is like, wait, when did this car accident happen? Because I think like I remember his name always being on WCW products for years. Magnum TA, Magnum TA, Magnum TA. I never saw him wrestle, but I saw he was there. So my brain is, what the fuck? Because you know, when you hear of a car accident, you think of something the worst. And then he did have it the worst, but he was able to come back. I mean, couldn't wrestle, but he was able to walk, have a job, have a life. He's still alive. And you're like, well, how bad was that car accident now? Because we, I never watched that product at the time. I didn't see that. You know, he was popular in that territory. Once again, it was it was not where here people in New York would see it. You know? So this special really helped me understand it a lot better. And wow, it's fucking amazing. I, and once again, Andre came up with the name. That's right. That's and crazy. I think what I liked about this more is that what happened days and months following the accident. Um, they still have wrestlers keep it in kayfabe. Ric Flair couldn't show up to the hospital. They have yeah. all the phone lines open for fans to call and send in whatever they can. And what I'm trying to remember, who was the president of NWA slash WCW at that? I think it was before when Ted Turner took over. This wasn't they, like Bill Watts stuff, right? No, no, no. Bill Watts is still running UWF. Mm. So whoever the president was, um, they said for the next few shows, um, all the money that they gotten was going straight to him, which was great. That I did not know happened until they sh he said it in the episode. Yeah. So that one was really good. Um, Candido and Tammy Such, that's the one I rank my favorite. Um, yeah, favorite. this was this was really dumb one because let me tell you, like this is the one wrestler I knew the most about because I watched his pretty much from. ECW and on it, and then when um I saw I saw I when Smoky Mountain was like showing up on videotapes and like uh, tape trades and like uh online, I got to know more about him because I knew Chris Candido since ECW, and of course WWF obviously, and uh, seeing that how it all came to be and how like you know with Tammy Lynn and all that like you know like you're like this was a big deal and like. His brother, my God. I his brother was so much younger. Yeah, I had to feel yeah. bad for his little little brother having to sit there and watch his older brother and go through all this shit. And, and the whole thing with TNA, I remember all that. And I'm like it's it's crazy how like he's so much dedicated to the business he was. And that was the saddest part. Honestly, whatever she did and being a piece of shit towards him in the relationship, I, I can't talk on that because it's none of my business part. No, but I'm glad I he mean, did not put um more spotlight on Sunday, Sunday at all. No, no, no. It's about their relationships, let's be about both of them. And at the end of the day, 
you know, I don't care what he had. That's another thing. Like uh, when we talked at the beginning of the show, I was talking about my worker who was so afraid to say no to my supervisor for a position because he was afraid of whatever he's afraid of. Here we go. Chris Candido literally has Shawn Michaels taken his girl, disrespected yep. him. And he couldn't say nothing because he was afraid of losing his spot. Yeah, look who was backstage at that time. That to me is like it was more than just Shawn Michaels. It was um, oh. Kevin Nash. It was Scott Hall. It was With um, all those. I like Kevin Nash now. I, I do, do too. I'm just him. saying. Let you but know let's the politics. The politics. Let's let's be real. Who had control in Vince's ear during that whole time? And you're yeah, like Kevin Nash, Scott man. Hall, X Pac, got Shawn Michaels. Can I ask you a question? Sure. This is a hypothetical. Who do you think politicked the worst? Do you think Shawn Michaels in his short time politicked the worst, or do you think Hogan did? You mean short time as in like 94 to 98? Well, well, Shawn had that complete control over the back. He destroyed Vader. He destroyed Chris Grandito, uh, Shane Douglas. I know people are like, oh, Shane Douglas destroyed himself, but not really. No, 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 no. Shawn had a big hand in a lot of this. And and he destroyed so many people in such a short time. You know, that's a good and, question. I mean, I, we should let the people who uh, listen to us. That's what do a you guys good think? question. Like, I honestly, it's hard to. When this, when worse, I, right? When I <laughs> put side by side, Hogan, we already know the stories. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, we know his stories too. But who was damaged more between the two? Right. Because, like, even though Hogan kept his spot, it never hurt Bret Hart. It never hurt. The Ultimate Warrior. It never hurt Macho Man. Never hurt. Ryan you know what I'm saying? Never hurt right people. These guys were still elevated, and they still had their position. Literally, Sean comes in. Vader should have been a fucking huge motherfucking deal. He should have been until the match was was, at saw that SummerSlam. And the last thing they made him do is talk about him being a fat, useless slob. Meanwhile, he goes to Japan right after this and has the greatest run of his career. Yes. I just learned about that, which is a shame that we only I only learned about it recently that fucking Vader's career in Japan after fucking WWF was his greatest run of his career. Triple crown, fucking all this shit. And he had some great fucking matches. He did great stuff. And it was amazing. And he was humble. And he was like a whole different person to sit there and go that he wasn't over. Listen to the crowds of Vader's music hit. He was over because not, he was not just that, not just the entrance, him in a ring too. Oh my god, because he was a big guy doing stuff that no one saw before from a guy like him. You on know, national Earth, television. On national television. He was so over. Everywhere he went, he was a he was a special attraction, and you treated him like shit. And it was and it, 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 that was because of Shawn Michaels' bullshit. So that Let's, destroyed um, a, go down a main line, guy. Uh, Vader, a uh, British Bulldog. Yep. Uh, no. well, Chris Candido. <laughs> Chris Candido, Shane Douglas. Yeah. Uh, who else is who else will go on that list? Oh, there's a lot of people who all say they've been hurt by him. Uh, his many names on the list, but you never knew why. Because like, well, Sean, Sean was over. Sean was over. Sean was over. But the fact that he had the backstage, you go, oh, this guy's shit. Fucking Vince, this guy's a piece of shit. This fucking guy. And then like, I think the, I think with that, then you turn the question to if you was a wrestler trying to draw money, who would you work with, Shawn Michaels or Hulk Hogan? You know, if you want to draw money, both. It's because of the different time frames, right? Hogan in the 80s, you want to work with him because you're making money. Yes. 
And in the 90s, if you work with Sean, you were the main event every week. You were the main event every show. And as certain guys could handle his bullshit, like Bret Hart. See, Bret Hart, once again, fucked by Hogan, handled it. With Shawn Michaels, he handled it, but Bret also, Bret had a problem. Once he became a babyface, Bret Hart didn't know how to let go and be a proper heel. He didn't like it anymore. And I know why, because T-shirt sales. I get it. The sunglasses sales. I get it. Yep. But if you're really good at being a heel, like a Piper, you think Piper's T-shirts didn't sell when he was a heel? <laughs> Bullshit. Look in the crowds. The Panther shirts were selling like crazy. The Hot Rod shirts were selling like crazy in the 80s. Just there was not as many as Hulk Hogan stuff, but there was they were selling. So Piper made his money. Piper's action figure made him money. You know what I'm saying? Piper never lost money. And he always made money. And being a heel, if you're good at being a heel, you will make money because kids want to buy the toy so the hero can beat you up. Because if you have just a hero figure, you have no villain, you're not going to make money. Superman needs um, Luthor. Let's also, know? Re- <laughs> let's also remember uh, WrestleMania 14. Shaw was about to do it to Steve Austin, but he knew damn sure that Undertaker was waiting in the back to kick his ass oh. if he did. <laughs> Because that's another guy you don't fuck with. Right? Yeah. You need to have, as much as like, you know, I'm so sad by who the real person of Taker kind of is. I do enjoy his interviews when he talks about the business. And yes. I, I, all, I ever, all I ever wanted Taker to do was just talk about his career. Just tell me about all the stuff you've done backstage. I want to know how truthful everything is because we've heard so many stories. And, you know, and, and, and that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear your personal beliefs, bro. Let's just stop that. But it's okay. I get it. He's a human being. He's allowed to have it. He's finally allowed to speak. You know, he's finally allowed to open up. And it's great. Uh, and Taker was like, "I, you don't do you do not do the job. Don't come back here. If Sean didn't do the job, he would have to leave through the audience. You think so? He couldn't go to the back. He could never went to the, back, to the locker. He would have made Hunter get his shit and get in the car away from him. And he went through the crowd. 100% he would have done that. Because he knows he couldn't go backstage. Taker would have fucked him up. One thing about the Chris Candido episode, which I found surprising, was um, they was working for Paul Heyman outside, well, in the office, as they say. And apparently they was the ones doing the books. But for some reason, when... ECW ran out of business. They used their credit card or whatever info that was. And I'm went. confused by that because I don't remember. Maybe I never I'm heard confused. that story. I never heard that story up until this episode. Right. Uh, my problem with that story is not that I'm saying it's wrong because we know Taz used to handle the hotlines for the t-shirts and he helped design shirts. Tommy yeah, this, came was in, up, this was Bubba in Ray. Um, 2000 after Taz left though. I'm confused. I don't remember Chris Candido being there in 2000. He was before he went back to WCW. Was it a short time? Yes. Because because by the time Just Incredible was a bigger deal, and he was with Lance Storm. And, and yeah, Shane Shane Douglas and Bigelow already left by that point. Candido was there left until he went to WCW. I, that's why I think the time frame is a little off on this one because maybe my memory is off. So let me be honest. I'm only going by memory. He wasn't wrestling then, right? He was not wrestling because no. because he, he couldn't wrestle. He was still there. He was injured. That was what they said, right? He was so they hired him to do. No, they got in trouble. They failed something, right? A drug thing or because in the documentary, I, I can't remember. They said that uh, Paul took them off the road. 
because they couldn't go on the road because they fucked up. I can't remember how they fucked up in the documentary. They say so, and that it was that um, they had them working. They couldn't wrestle or whatever reason, so they had them doing all the phone stuff, booking the flights and stuff like that. Yes. So it's possible he could have been there in the early 2000, 99, 2000, whatever. Most likely 2000, 2001, if that's the case. So the no, still last in, show was, was 2001. Dumb, yeah, yeah. So Another revealing thing, even though we already saw this, but um, the whole interview Hammond did with um, Sonny on that episode of ECW TNN, I didn't expect that to be brought up. But goddamn, when you look at it now, you're like, yeah, this should have never aired. True, but once again, in that time, see, everything looks is different in hindsight. But at the time, the expose world was becoming new, right? Um, obviously, TMZ didn't exist back then and all that stuff. But that rigid reality, remember, remember, the first MTV's real world happened in '93, something yeah, like that. That was eight so, years before that. So the idea of People exposing the truth, you know. Uh, this is the same time frame as you know the truth uh, behind the magicians, you know, the mass magician shit, <laughs> and all that, all that, all this. People want to know the real stuff. People want that juicy shit. The internet was brand new. So Paul, being a promoter, not defending what his decision was, was to have them expose the truth, and it, it was, in hindsight, it is a terrible idea. But maybe at the time it made perfect sense. I can't justify it. I think it's wrong. I don't remember it. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember it. It's on. It's still on the network now. Really? That thing's on the network? Yeah. Well, it's on we ECW on wait. TNN. Oh my god! It was in TNN. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, it was TNN? It wasn't it? Wasn't oh. um, Hardcore TV or the MSG I, shows? It was. I I kind of feel bad because that that's when I, I I hated watching TNN. I'd watch it, but I would record the video. I I recorded on on VHS, and then I would like kind of fast forward and go through stuff like, like how we do nowadays. <laughs> I did it back then for ECW because I'm like. Things were censored. They couldn't use the music. There was things happened they couldn't do. And I just felt like the TNN show felt watered down. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I do want to bring up one little thing because we're talking about ECW briefly. Uh, so last night I was I was watching wrestling and then I was talking about something. And and we were watching um I don't, I don't want to talk about AEW today. I just wanted to mention this is just a funny little antidote. Yeah, so yeah. uh the acclaim came out and he was talking shit and then Buddy Matthews just fucking destroyed Max Casta before he could finish the fucking line. He, my daughter goes, oh my god, he murdered him before he could finish the line. I'm like, you want to see someone get murdered? And I put on WWE ECW zombie segment. I oh said, just wait Lord. for, I said, Rebecca, just wait for Sandman to come out. <laughs> She's like, that zombie died twice. Sums up was, what sci-fi did to that program. <laughs> but it was just so funny how Sam had just annihilated this poor bastard <laughs> fucking kendo stick. <laughs> Rest in peace to that zombie. The actual person. Yeah, yeah the poor bastard. You know, he, he he just I felt so bad for him. But it was such a funny segment that like, I said, You think this was a murder? You think Max Casca murdered? Hold on. Let me put on this. 
<laughs> because the only thing I could think of, like, because there was nothing. I think what Buddy Matthews did was so much faster. It was fucking genius. And I don't what like it just reminded me of Sandman. <laughs> just fucking oh, here's my music. Murder, murder, murder. Die zombie. Fucking that was just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's go on. Yeah, I, I thought the Candido special to me is my favorite of the specials. I thought um, I thought Adrian Donis was the second best. Fully agree. Um, my top three so far is Chris and Tabby, uh, AJ and Adonis, and um, the Dark the Clown one. I, I, I really, my problem was, was I liked the way Abdul the Butcher's special was, but me and my wife did have a lot of bullshit. Like, I don't believe he was completely illiterate. I just think he was probably just not illiterate enough to do a lot of things that he should have been involved with. Uh, he pushed. I, I, I definitely believe there's a there's a fine line between truth and fiction, and somewhere in the middle is where everything is. Now, I do believe that Abdullah probably doesn't have a huge vocabulary or a huge education, which he definitely didn't. <clears throat> but at the same time, I do believe that they leave a lot of shit out. When you just want to paint, you want to put sympathy on somebody. You say that, all right, yeah, he can't read or write. That's true. And you use that in the court cases because he, he saw a court document and refused to open it. I believe what happened was he saw he was getting sued and he just didn't want to read it. <laughs> That's the truth. That's yeah. where the truth lies. But the, at the end of the day, how court documents are written, someone with a second grade reading level could not read everything in that paper. You know what I'm saying? So I do believe there's that as well. I do believe there's a fine line between the fact and fiction, but you want to sympathize somebody, you make it that he can't do anything. And the truth is that's not possible. Like Hannibal said, even though I don't want to agree with him, the man didn't run businesses. And to run a business daily, you hire people. Because let's be real, with all due respect, there's certain people in power who have ran corporations and become presidents who we know is pretty fucking illiterate. I'm just saying. But they also have the money to have people do it for them. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing. When people who don't have an education do good, they're really good at convincing people to help them. Because hmm. when you got to connive and you got to be sneaky, you always make out better because you had to do whatever it takes to survive. He was a hustler. He said he was a hustler. He would sell stuff yeah, in school. Yeah, he said it. He was able to sell stuff, make money, and then shake people down when they didn't pay him for the candy. That... I respect because I know what that's like when I was in school. I had to do a lot of stuff. I wanted to make money. I didn't want to ask my parents for money. I would sell stuff at school, hustle stuff because you had a you had a monopoly in school. There was no candy and stuff being sold in school. You have everything on you. You could sell for whatever price you want. And if they don't pay, you don't give them shit. It's just like being a drug dealer in a way. But you have to be good at it to make that money work. But you also have to be able to have that fear and pe make people fear you to survive all right but you know with all that being said he knew how to do what he had to do to survive let's be real the final three episodes um yeah what, what up, are they yeah what do you when do you know which ones they are in order do yes. you have a good uh, i want to know uh coming next is bam bam bigelow good which is gonna be interesting to for him well, not for him, but for the stories. <laughs> for us. <laughs> well, for us, but I mean, like, it's gonna be interesting to hear about the stories about him being in a Mexican prison and breaking out. That's gonna be wow, something. Yeah, I want to know about that. Yeah. After that is uh, Bash at the Beach two thousand. Mm. Oh yeah, you're gonna get a lot of Vince Russo and Jeff Jarrett on this. Oh uh, well, yeah, yeah. You know what I just unearthed recently? What's that? Hulk Hogan's radio interview the day after it. 
Oh shit. Yep. The day after it, it was by, it was with that piece of shit Bobby the Love Sponge, but it's interesting to hear what his mindset was the day after it happened. Mm. Yeah, it was yeah. just uploaded about two months ago. It was it was practically lost media for the last twenty years. I want to before we go, I want to talk about lost media for a brief second with wrestling, but go on. What's the next then, episode? Then after that, the finale is um, Marty and Janetti. Okay, that's if that one's not the best one, that's that's gonna be some <laughs> fucked up shit because that's some crazy shit. Marty Janetti is next level fucking like oh my god, it is legitly a train wreck and I can't look away. Every time something happens with Marty Janetti, I am compelled to read what the fuck has happened today. Yeah, especially like, in the I bodies do... he quote unquote made disappear a year ago, right? <laughs> oh my god, there's so much, there's so much trash in it. I can't wait. What do you got about um, lost media? Lost media. Something I didn't know is actually considered lost media from wrestling is the WWE WWF radio program. Oh, for the early nineties. Yeah, no one ever recorded it, so they're all missing. They do not exist anywhere. They're pretty sure that WWF may not even have it. That to me is shocking because you figure WWF kept everything. I mean, but they no. would. They wouldn't keep recordings of radio shows, though. Well, you know, you think they would because you never know where they can use segments for it for other things. You know, you think you know they would find a way because, but it was such a weekly thing. But the the reason why it failed is because they didn't really promote it. They really didn't promote it, and I didn't realize Jr. did all that. Yeah, he did. I knew about it. I never listened. I think I listened to it once. I think I was somewhere, and uh, it came up on a radio. No, I was at my house, and I heard about it. And I looked on the radio and I found some weird ass because it was such a weird ass number. You had to look for you had to it was like trying to find an alien radio transmission and you'd find it. And it was just them talking wrestling on a radio. It's it's like listening to baseball on the radio. It's not as much fun, you know? I wonder but how it, they did not save that, but WCW did, because Jim Ross uh, did radio for WCW as well. And apparently Conrad Thompson got a hold of the person and started uploading all the older episodes from the late eighties to the early nineties. You know, if, if anything, wrestling is such a unique community, just like deadheads. Like, you know, if you know about the Grateful Dead, you know, most of their career is tape trades because they always did live shows for years, years and years and years. So people would tape trade. Oh, I have the performance from, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, Buffalo, New York in 1972 here. Oh, I'll trade you. I got the one from 84 from here. And people would trade and make copies and make copies. So the the, the Grateful Dead community has just concerts from all over the decades of the Grateful Dead, right? So you think they wouldn't have been uh, someone who had recorded these things. You know, there's people who record everything. <laughs> Look at that thing with the, the Max Hedrum hacker from Chicago, whatever it was. There's tapes of that. People recorded it. People had it. Yeah, And it's it exists now because someone had a tape of it and recorded it because they recorded that program. Just like the earthquake that happened at the World Series. Right. Oh, I watched the whole thing on that. I, I, someone we put all the p- parts into real time from when it before it, when the baseball game was happening, on, and it was pretty interesting. Let me send you this link to um the day after Bash at the Beach two thousand. It's a lot of riveting shit Hogan um talks about. <laughs> so that'll be entertaining for you to watch. <laughs> With that, uh, thank you for coming on, Rob. Um. Hope you enjoy the rest of your 
day today, man. I know this weather is quite shitty out here. Yeah, that's why the AC is on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll all pay the bill at the end of the month. I don't give a shit. <laughs> that's it. Well, I do the uh, what kind of to have it set up for like we pay a set plan for the year, so we don't pay a lot during the summer. Really? Yeah. What you do is you make a deal and you make a payment arrangement that you do like okay, let's say you pay, let's just say it's like one fifty every month for the whole year. So even when you don't use it in the winter, you're paying that same price because it balances out there. So you're not paying like three or four hundred now. For the next four or five months, and then you pay like thirty or forty or fifty bucks in the winter, you bounce it out and have a set price, and they set a price for you, and you work it out, and you just pay that one set price. We don't have Con Edison up here. Oh, uh, yeah, I, you're different. I, I, I had enough of Con Edison back in the city. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have no problem with Con. If you know how to do it right, and you you make these deals, it's fine. Like. It, it works fine. It saves me money, and that way I can also run the 3D printer in the winter. So I don't have to worry about the electricity. Rob. <laughs> All right, Rob. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Time for us to get the hell out. Yeah, later, man. Bye. Laters.